just really wanted to play the cow noise because I think it is hilarious. And anyways, um, I thought I'd make another podcast tonight because I have so much fun with you guys and I just feel the need to connect tonight. Feel the need to connect with the listeners, which is you listening to my podcast right now. <laughs> Anyways, I'd just like to ask the listeners to send in your messages. To send in some messages about my podcast and send in your prayer requests. Send in your song requests, and um, I'll be more than happy to accommodate, for sure. Um, let's see. So, Trump. Trump apparently has had... A ton of psychiatrists and psychologists and mental health professionals assess him and make their own opinions about him. And from what I've been hearing, none of it's very good. All of the opinions from the medical professionals seem to be leaning towards a very negative perspective of Donald Trump. Now, I can see where they might get get that with some of his boisterous outbursts and and things like that. But honestly, like I mean there's so much stigma around Donald Trump. I mean, there are things that I don't like that he's doing, but I don't know. He is a businessman, and I don't think he would have been able to have such an empire if he had all these, you know, mental health issues. I'm just saying, because... He's a very successful man, and um, I don't know, but this whole idea about, I'm just going to bring this up again, um, putting kids in cages and taking them away from their families, like that's rough. That is a very rough thing. Tim Hortons is so good. <laughs> I ordered potato wedges and an iced cappuccino with chocolate milk in it on my way home today from Aqua. And it was so refreshing, so good. Um, yeah, so I started my CSW course today, Community Services. Uh, with an internship and I started that today and during class my teacher said oh by the way I volunteer at Aqua every other or every second Tuesday of the month who wants to go with me and I gladly put my hand up and I said I'll go (laughs) and she was like well can you eat pizza I was like yes I can eat pizza and we ordered pizza (laughs) It was so good. But um, I'm just going to mention Aqua for a minute because I may be pulling in an interview with somebody from Aqua soon. And it'd be good for you listeners to know what Aqua is all about. Now, if you've never heard of Aqua, it's an organization in Kitchener. And um, it's... The AIDS Society for Homosexual Men, 
And what the point of it is, is to promote healthy boundaries, healthy sexual experiences, and a healthy perspective, healthy outlook. The whole idea is to promote safe sex um, because there is a growing number of people uh, who do experience contracting HIV, AIDS, and, uh, you know, as much as we'd like to think it's slowing down, it's not slowing down, and medical funding has been cut from the AIDS society at some point, and they don't have the resources that they used to have anymore or the funds, and people are getting sick, and people are dying. It's very sad. It's a very sad thing to think about. Um, you know, people need to, to learn about what safe sex is and not be afraid to talk about it. I know being homosexual is a very, you know, taboo thing to talk about sometimes because there's so much stigma around being a homosexual male and uh, being judged by different religious sects and denominations. And, uh, well, this is just another thing that we've got to curb in our society, is, you know, people are people, and people will do what they want to do and experience the things in life that mean the most to them. And if that means two men are engaging in coitus and getting married and having children together and adopting children and working and volunteering and having fun in life, you know, it's, it's good to be accepting of people because... I mean, even as a Christian, I know that, you know, homosexuality, it's sinful. It's looked down upon. But the people who are doing these things, they're still human beings. They're still people. And just because they're sinning one way or another doesn't mean we have to ostracize them for life. That would be like taking an extreme to, you know, lying, per se. You know, you say one little white lie, like, you know, you say, oh, I washed the dishes today, Mom. Like, I totally did, but really you didn't wash the dishes because you were out gallivanting around with your friends. And then the whole entire world went against you and decided to ostracize you from society because you didn't wash the dishes. Now, does that sound fair? Because you lied, you sinned, you said a lie? No, it's not fair. It's absurd. It's not something that we do. We don't ostracize people because they've said a white lie. Every single person on the planet has lied, has said a white lie, and even a white lie is a sin. Even if it's little, even if it's teeny tiny little bitty little, it's still a sin. And we all do it, but we still have God, and we still have forgiveness, and so we shouldn't be pushing aside somebody that's homosexual, because... For starters, they're not hurting other people by being homosexual. I mean, if they're cheating on their spouse to be homosexual, they're hurting someone. And that does happen. But just being homosexual is a personal choice that you're doing to yourself. You're not doing that to someone else. And, you know, love is love. And choice is choice. 
and we should all have the freedoms, and we, we all do have the freedoms, especially in Canada, we have the freedom of choice. We have the freedom to love. We have the freedom to choose, the right to choose, the right to freedom, the rights to live a life of peace and harmony as long as we are not causing an injustice to another human being or an animal. So, so yeah, so now you know a little bit about aqua. And, you know, I've heard of, before today, I didn't know really what aqua was. I heard of it. I've heard of different aid societies and programs and homosexual programs and and things like that. And I, I met people and I've had friends that were volunteers for different agencies in the past. And... Uh, yeah, I just finally sort of like it was the right time and I said, hey, you know what? This is the perfect time that I can, you know, give to the community and show that, you know, I give a damn. I, I care and I want to help. So... So yeah, stay tuned. I'm really hoping to have this guy on my station for an interview. I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say his position quite yet, but um, hopefully you guys will all meet him one day on my station, and uh, I, I'm sure you guys will love him. He's a great guy, and he's funny, and uh, he really cares about the projects that he does, and he's very committed been doing it quite some time now and uh, yeah we should all just be thankful for people like for people like him that you know put time out of their busy life to say hey hey buddy hey I see that you're struggling in life I want to help you I want to be there to help by offering suggestions and things that will help encourage homosexual males to engage in safer sex options. And this is very important. We shouldn't look a blind eye at safer sex. People don't talk about safe sex. And I think it should be talked about, and I'm talking about it right now. Because people have sex. When they're married, they have sex. When they're engaged, they have sex. When they are dating, they have sex. Premarital sex happens all the time. Teenage sex happens all the time. And are people engaging in it safely? No. People are not engaging in it safely. And teenagers are having babies. Unwed parents are getting having babies. Married couples, well, you know, it's good to in be encouraged to have safe sex when you're married, too, because there could be a boundary issue in your marriage. Maybe you're not in the position financially or spiritually to have children, and you need safer sex options. You know, it applies, safer sex options applies to every single human being on the planet. It does not just, uh, it does not just aim at homosexuals, homosexual males specifically. I think, for one, that when we're thinking of safe sex, we are including all people. So there are things to consider when having sex for the first time. If you are thinking about having sex for the first time, I encourage you to get vaccinations. First and foremost, vaccinations. 
uh, Gardasil 9, Cervavrix, um, Chlamydia Prevention, Gonorrhea Prevention, HIV AIDS Prevention, uh, Pregnancy Prevention. There are things that you can do to keep your body healthy, to keep your body safe, so that you can choose you get to choose, okay, I want to have a baby today. Okay, I want to, I want to start having unprotection, unprotected sex today because I want to make a baby with my partner today. Been vaccinated, been taking birth control for years. Now it's time to settle down, make a family, and just, just be just live you know I know a lot of people who have discussed with me on how old they were when they had sex for the first time and believe you me it was younger than 18 younger than 19 younger than 18 younger than 18 years old Younger than an adult. It's not safe, this world. People are being pressured into sex. And like I was talking about the other day, sexual assault and rape. When safe sex is not being performed, sometimes it leads to unwanted sex. Sexual assault and rape. Because you're not prepared. You know, if if you're with your boyfriend, say you're a girl, and you're with your boyfriend, okay, he really wants to have sex, but you're not ready. He wants to have sex, and he doesn't have protection with him. You've never taken birth control. You've never had sex before. So you're in the room together, and he says, Baby, oh, baby, I love you. I really want to cuddle you, I want to kiss you, I want to come to you, let me come to you, let's have babies. You know, you've got to make a choice now, and but you have all this pressure. So suddenly, safe sex might be off the table. Because he didn't bring protection, because he just automatically assumes that you're going to agree with him to have a baby when you're not ready. He hasn't spoken to you about this. He just comes in, waltzes right into your life and says, "Let's have a baby right now. Let's just do it. Let's let's just take a risk. Jump off the diving board. Let's just go for it." But you're saying, "No. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm I'm going to school. I'm working, you know, part-time and going to school." What, what would my parents think? What would my sister and brother think? What would my friends think if I, you know, were not married? And then you're stuck. Then you're stuck. What do you do? You have to tell this person you don't want to have sex. This is the conundrum. And a circle of violence could start happening if you, do, if you disagree. Maybe he is not understanding. Maybe he maybe he's possessive. Maybe he's abusive. But there are men out there and women who are not possessive, who are not abusive. And if you're in an abusive, possessive relationship, I'm telling you right now, just get out. Get out of it. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck in it, and it's going to get so comfortable, you're not going to want to leave it. And when you want to leave it, it's going to be so hard, you're going to say, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Even though you can, and you could, and you could have, and you will. Relationships are hard. And I think I should talk a little bit about relationships today. Um, 
There are so many different types of relationships, dynamics, styles to relationships. But what do you have to have in a relationship for it to function? Does anybody know that answer? Because I do. You need God. You need God as the centerpiece, as the cornerstone, as the rock on which you stand. You need God in your life to be the cornerstone, the rock on which you stand. And I said that twice for a reason, because I want you to remember that. I want it to be ingrained into your mind, and I want you to remember that, and I want you to use that to your ability. And when I say God needs to be your cornerstone and the rock in which you stand, what I mean by that is not just metaphorically, not, not just, okay, so I'm imagining him, I'm standing on God and he's a rock. Or he's a stone at the corner. And I can see him from here. No, not metaphorically. For real. In your heart. In your soul, in your mind, and in your spirit. God has to be your rock. You need to pray. Prayer is the best thing you could have in a relationship. If you and your husband, or you and your boyfriend, or you and your fiancé, or you and your to-be-promised, if you are not praying together, you're praying by yourself, or else you're not praying at all. And where is that going to get you? Where is that going to get you? Well, you might be able to get a job at the corner store. You might be able to go to school. You might be able to have friends and family. All the regular things that everybody has. But what will you be missing? You'll be missing something in your heart and in your spirit. And sometimes you don't get the things that you need, but you get the things that you want when you, have, when you don't have God. You get what you want, but you don't get what you need. When God's in your life, when you are praying to God, and when you are praying to God with someone you love, like your husband, or your fiancé, or whatever, your boyfriend, When, when you're praying to God, you get what you need because you pray. You need to pray for God, to God, for what you need. you got to say, God, well, today I need grace. Something bad happened to me. God, I need grace. Someone did something that hurt me. God, I need grace. God, somebody said something to me that hurt my feelings. God, I need grace. You just pray for grace. Pray it. It's the simplest thing. It's one word. Five letters. G-R-A-C-E. Grace. It's not hard. You could even just say grace. Grace. You could sit down at, you know, at the dinner table. Just don't even say anything, but just say grace. Because God hears you when you say grace. Because he knows that something in your heart is stirring. He knows you need something from him. You need something the world can't give you. It's a spiritual need. There are so many things in this life that we need. We need water, food, shelter, clothing, 
The basic necessities. We need those things. Can we have those things and have God at the same time? Yes. Can we be without those things and have God at the same time? Yes, we can. God is there no matter what we're going through. Whether we're struggling or whether we are thriving. And if you want to thrive in your relationship, you have to ask God. You have to ask God. I cannot, you know, say this one enough. You have to ask, ask, ask God. Ask Him for grace. Ask Him for hope. Ask Him for happiness. Ask Him to make you humble. You know, one thing I've noticed about some people in this world is they think that they are higher than other people. Higher above the poor. Higher above the disabled. Higher above the mentally sick. They think they're higher above professionals. They think that their mind is so clear. That they are more clear than other people. But when people think like this, they're fogged up. Their life is in shambles. They've made mistakes in their life. And they're overcompensating by saying, I am better than you. I'm better than that beggar on the street. I'm better than that mentally ill, insane person, that crazy person on the, in the psych ward. Or I would never let my life go to that level of filth. People say things like that, and I ain't joshing you on this one. People do say things like that, and I've heard it. I've heard people talk like that to my face. And you know, I take offense because I'm one in everything of those things that this person is talking about. I've experienced homelessness, mental health crisis, all these other apparently low level of filth life, but I'm still standing because I have God in my life. And when I had those struggles, God was still there. It's not important to base somebody's worth on how much money they have in their pocket. It's not right to base somebody's worth on their health. They have schizophrenia, depression, personality disorder, bipolar, etc. These people don't ask to be sick. They didn't wake up one day and say, Man, I feel like I really want to go crazy, and I think I'm going to do it today. They, people don't wake up and just decide that. It's a chemical thing in their brain that changes because of a life-altering situation of trauma. Trauma causes people to have psychotic breaks, to have mental health breakdowns, to have emotional crisis. And people don't decide that they're going to give away their house, give away their money, give away their car, 
They don't just wake up and say, I'm going to give everything away and live on the street. I'd be better off. Be better off naked walking around with holes in my socks. T-shirt on. In the middle of winter. That's my plan of the day. People don't decide that. That's crazy. People lose things in life. Maybe they lost their job and they can't afford to pay rent anymore. Maybe their son got sick with leukemia and they have to pay thousands of millions of dollars on, you know, cancer treatments and surgeries and they can't afford to live anymore. They can't afford to buy food. They can't afford to live in a house. They can't afford to drive a car because they're spending it on their sick, ill child. You know, there's a, there's a boy from my church, actually, a little boy, a little boy, his parents got the shock of a lifetime a couple of weeks ago that he has leukemia, and my church is now trying to fight to help them get back and forth from appointments and and stuff like that, and trying to raise money and make lunches and give them gas money. And last I heard, the boy's making a better recovery than expected, and he's getting to visit home and he's doing well. But see, these things really happen in life, these are real people. Real situations that people get into. And it's not our job to judge another human being on their life circumstance. A person's life circumstance does not define who they are in the inside. It's just a picture on the outside. It's just a cover of a book. But you won't know anything about it unless you open it up and start reading. And you read the whole thing, not just blurbs. Don't skim through it. You read the whole thing. Sing as if no one is listening. Dance as if no one is watching. Laugh like life had no hurdles. That's a little picture I've got hanging up on my wall here that a friend of mine gave me. And, uh, you know what? I never look at it, and I never read it. And today I just read it. And it has so much meaning. So much meaning. I like the last one. Laugh like life had no hurdles. Because... Life does have hurdles, and if we can't laugh in the face of adversity, how will we get by ever? Water is the fruit of life. Water 
cleans you of everything. Your spiritual self and your physical self, water cleans you. It refreshes you. I was just having a glass of water. It just made me think of how it just cleanses every part of us. I think I also want to talk a little bit about um, a personal struggle that I've been dealing with for two years, and um, you know, I just hope that you listeners, you know, can feel me on this, and. you know, I, I know that someone out there who's listening may be able to relate to what my struggle's been like and what I've gone through, maybe the feelings behind it. Um, okay, so... Family and Children's Services of the Kitchener-Waterloo Region. They have an interesting agency and an interesting way of viewing life. Here's my struggle. Two years ago, on April 15th, 2016, I was laying in a hospital bed at Grand River Hospital. I had just had a C-section to give birth to my first child, a daughter. As I was opening my eyes, I noticed a man sitting by my bedside. It wasn't my daughter's father. It wasn't a family member or a friend. The first person I saw when I woke up from my surgery was a family and children's services worker who said to me, I'm sorry to inform you, but I'm from family and children's services and I have to apprehend your daughter. I wasn't even coherent. I was coming off of morphine. I didn't quite understand what was going on. I was still paralyzed for two weeks after my surgery because I have scoliosis and it affects the rest of my body and during my pregnancy my whole body changed and went through a whole lot of stuff. I was barely cognitive for the first two weeks after I gave birth. I was really foggy-headed. I couldn't see very well. I was tired a lot. And I kept thinking to myself, why was a man sitting at my bedside, and why did he say he had to apprehend my daughter? It's two years later, and I still don't understand it. This is my dilemma. They said, I have mental health issues. They said, I don't have a good home. They said, I'm not financially stable. Emotionally not stable mentally not stable. I'm not good enough to be her mom. 
Family and Children's Services supervised me with my daughter every time I saw her for a year and a half. For the first year and a half of her life, I was never alone with my child. I never brought her home. I never tucked her in at night to go to sleep. And then for the last half of the year, for about six months, I've been being supervised by someone else. In my testimony, I mentioned that seven years ago I was kidnapped for two months. Well, this said person told Family and Children's Services that he was the rightful father of my child. He has a job. He has a house. He's never had mental health diagnoses. But he was also never given a DNA test that proved he could be her father. There was no DNA test that could prove that. And yet, I went to court with this person for a year and a half. And he won without a lawyer. He got full custody of my daughter and discretion over all of my visits with my daughter. are at his decision. Every visit I have with my daughter is at his discretion. Where it's held, who's present, who's supervising. I'm tormented every day because of it. I went through a period in the last two years where I was at risk for suicide because my daughter was taken by Family and Children's Services and given to a man that had kidnapped me. He took me away from the world for months. He took me away from the world for months and now he took my daughter. So this is my struggle I've been going through. I don't know if any of you listeners can relate. I don't know what you have to say, what you have to think about this. But I am so thankful to God about this podcast because... I want the entire planet to know this story. Why? Because my hope and my belief is that the more people in the world who believe me, who say, I believe you, Amber. I believe that this happened to you. I'm so sorry for this. I believe and I hope that the more people who believe this, who are on my side, that maybe I can still go back to court, have a new lawyer, and maybe win her back. 
Maybe I can get signatures. Maybe I can get messages through my radio podcast of people who say, I believe you. Maybe I can get a heap load of people from all around the world that can vouch for me, that can support me and my daughter and my daughter's real father, that we could be reunited. Family and Children's Services, they're supposed to reunify families together, but they split mine up. I'm not with my daughter's father. I'm not married to him. We're not dating. We're not engaged. I don't even know where he is. I can't seem to locate him or find him anywhere. No one's heard from him or seen him. He's vanished in the last two years. Just up and vanished. My biggest fear is that my daughter will never get to know her real father and that she'll never really understand that I am her real mom. This man that kidnaps me, who has custody of my daughter, his sister is the one that supervises my visits. Guess who has the title of mommy? She does. My daughter calls her mommy, mama, mom. Guess what she calls me? Mimi. She calls me Mimi. She doesn't even know my name. She doesn't know my title. She knows that this house is mom's house. This house I live in is mom's house. When she comes here, she says, oh, mommy's house. But when she sees me and face to face, she says, Mimi. She says, I love me. I love Mimi, she says to me. Oh, dear. So my struggle is real. The struggle is real, my friends. And, um, yeah, if any of you listeners, if you have stories about having your children taken away from you and you are just really feeling it inside your heart and your spirit is just crushed and you want to share that with the world, shoot me a message on Anchor. And I will share your story. I will share your story with with the listeners. Because we need to be here for each other. The most scariest thing in the world is having your very own child taken from you. Countless times I had a mental breakdown and an emotional breakdown in front of my family and children's services worker because they had taken my daughter because, because they had been saying things to me and judging me. And you know what I said to them even? I said, <laughs> apprehension is defined as kidnapping, which, by the way, it is. If you Google or look in the dictionary, apprehension is just another word for kidnapping. Although, when you apprehend, there's an entire legal system that goes with that, creating it a legal kidnapping, thus calling it an apprehension, because it's, there's a legality to it.
I'm so thankful for this radio broadcast podcast <laughs> because I can speak my mind and I can say whatever I want, whenever I want, and I know that you guys are all listening to me and you're heartfelt and you're God-fearing people and I know that you care when I speak my mind, when I speak from the heart. When I share my most inner struggles and my inner demons and when I share my sinful life, I know you guys are listening and I know you guys are relating. And that's what I want out of this podcast is I want to relate to others. I want other people out there to know you're not alone. You know, you're not the only person struggling in this world. Every single person on this planet has some type of struggle. Whether it's an inner struggle, an outer struggle, first world problems, third world problems. We all have something. But God is still there. And we can lean on Him. Well, it's 12.13 in the a.m. And I am exhausted. I have had the longest day so many events happening in one day and I just had to make the podcast today you know I made one with mostly just music a little bit of weather a little bit of prayer but I needed to talk to you guys and uh, I'm glad that I've got you guys in my corner and I just thank you I thank you for being in my corner all all this time and I know that in the long term, you guys are going to be there for me, and I'm going to be there for you, because we are all in this together. We are all in this life together. So, I guess I could say a prayer, and um, and then I could offer you guys some more music to listen to, coming up in a bit. So, uh, here goes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we gather together in this holy place that you call earth and we gather wherever we are in our homes at work on our laptops on our computers on our smartphones we are all gathered here and we are gathered here to support each other and we are gathered here to be faithful to you god and to praise you and to ask you for guidance and grace we ask you for grace god Give us grace over our life, over our family, our jobs, our career, our education, our children, our parents, etc. Our relationships. Just praise this in your name. Amen. Okay, hear ye, hear ye. I announce that this podcast is Well, at least this part of the podcast is officially over. I'm going to be uploading some more music in due time. So please stay tuned. And God bless. This is a Be Chill production. Production.